what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. Brandon Astle wants his own jingle, right? They don't just become an earworm. They evolve. Imagine the gall of asking for your own intro after one hit. I thought you'd be honored. Didn't Shorty do that? <laughs> he did. <Yeah. laughs> um, it just speaks to like how big a thing it is in our industry now. Having a started, dog theme got, song. started is, to regret this decision. These young kids, though, they're so entitled. <laughs> Gotta earn it. You want an intro? Come on, man. You have to earn it. Unless you're John Shorthill. I'll give him a five-second intro, and every hit I'll add five more seconds. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the evolution of the intro, right? Because the Drancer one just keeps going on and on and on, much like Drance himself. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff (laughs) Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour three of the program. Thomas Drance is going to join us in just a second here. Uh, Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Let's go to Thomas Drance now on the phone lines on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? <laughs> Just getting ready to filibuster, my dude. <laughs> yes, here we go. <laughs> by the way, when you come in next time, I don't know when you did your last show, but uh, big news, they fixed the chairs in the studio Ooh. yeah what well they sort of fixed them they put new arms on the chairs but mine is still sinking it's sinking right now yeah, wasn't that the problem with it? the sinking no the arms were also completely ripped apart oh okay and instead of getting new chairs they put new arms on old chairs how does it make you f- <laughs> how does it make you feel about yourself that your chair cannot handle you a little girthy <laughs> <laughs> Maybe girthier than I, than I care to feel. The chair. Yeah, like, the I can hear the chair like. So he made me switch chairs. He's like, the, 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 that chair you're using is squeaking. I'm like, yeah, but the other one buckles under my weight. So. <laughs> he sits down and there's sparks. <laughs> so you tell me what the solution is, Jason. Anyways, let's ask some questions to Drance about the Canucks. Uh, Drancer. Um, yep. Okay. Explain the uh, the article that you wrote uh, about Elias Pettersson and how you learned not to worry about Elias Pettersson contract negotiations. Yeah, you know, I think more than anything, sometimes it helps to just go 30,000-foot view, look at the rules, look at the, the big-picture stuff. And I think in the case of where we've gotten to with Pettersson, and for whatever reason, it feels like, the team's turned up a little bit of heat, right? The, 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 the seams of impatience have started to show, I think, in some of the public commentary. I think you've seen fans get a little more anxious about the fact that, you know, that not, not only are things not done, but there doesn't appear to be immediate, you know, progress on the horizon. And, and yet, when you really unpack where they're at, how it all works, you know, I don't think 
the notion of Pedersen waiting and the team getting increasingly, um, you know, whatever, however you want to frame it, impatient or, or just like really wanting to get things sewn up here. I don't think that's outside the bounds of rational self-interest, frankly. Right. I mean, we've seen as Pedersen's waited through the course of the season, um, we've seen that his leverage is enhanced. We've seen that the team, you know, when they talk about the deal now, it's like, yeah, we'll do whatever term he's open to, right? Like, we want him to be a big part of the team. Like, you've seen how the balance in this has kind of shifted uh, in Pedersen's favor. Uh, you've seen this team win. You've seen him gather a ton of new information. And, and when you sort of look at it that way, you know, I, I at least think it's worth noting that this shouldn't maybe be as big a surprise as it is especially given that Pedersen's wired to handle, uh, I think, in, in some unique ways, perhaps, um, you know, going through this season with this level of uncertainty in a way some players probably wouldn't be. Yeah, I always kind of laugh when people say, like, stop talking about it. Petey doesn't want you to talk about it. I'm like, it helps him. It, it helps the negotiation when there's panic in the market and maybe a little bit of, I don't want to call, call it panic, but maybe uncertainty in the front office is that the point you're trying to make like for the Pedersen camp it's as long as he keeps producing it might actually help him in negotiations yeah partly I mean partly that's the part of the point I'm making but also you know we the dynamic here is so unique in that we've got cap growth for the first time in half a decade right on the horizon this this offseason and then we've got another year where it could be far more significant right like a more significant lift than four million is absolutely possible for that 2024-25 campaign when Pedersen will be you know uh, if he decides to play his cards a certain way a pending unrestricted free agent right I mean that's where you start to get into valuations and it's not just for Pedersen this is partly why it's fascinating to me too right it's also for Miko Rantanen and Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got, you know, a bunch of these high-end guys who really do, uh, depending on how it shakes out, have an opportunity to kind of detonate the framework that we've been living with for the best players in the league for, honestly, I mean, when did when did McDavid sign, right? Um, 2016? Like, like, a long time since anyone got paid much more than that, right? I mean, I guess Matthews kind of did it again uh, of late, and that's another comp that sort of trickled in. The Nylander comp would be another um, comparable deal that has trickled in as a result of Pedersen waiting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we could be living in a totally new world in terms of what the best players in this league make. And as Pedersen's on pace for his second consecutive 100-point season here, Um, you know, as he remains sort of the only guy in the league whom you can describe the the following way, 25 or under and a hundred point center, right? I I mean, you know, that this gets really interesting, not, not just for the Canucks, not just for Pedersen, but from a big picture perspective of where the league's going and and how star players are compensated. So I was reading some stuff about how Matthew Kachuk left Calgary yesterday. Oh no. Well, dark place. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I was in a dark place, but I did find this interesting because, you know, the party line from both sides, both the Canucks and uh, Pedersen's reps is that, listen, there's still 
club control for another year. It's not the same yep. situation as Nylander, which is absolutely true, although I think it is also a lot of bit of or a lot. Uh, it's a bit of spin um, because well, yeah. Pedersen's still in control, and if he wants to leave, as we saw with Matthew Kachuk, he can leave. And one of the things that Kachuk said, he said, when I didn't sign before the RFA period, I wanted, given my rights, to be able to talk to other teams just to see different paths or what could go on with other teams. If the Canucks let Petey get to officially RFA status this offseason, like he becomes officially an RFA, he can talk to other teams and they can try and convince him that they can do something that maybe they couldn't. he couldn't do with the Vancouver Canucks. So I guess there is some urgency on the Canucks' behalf to not let it get to that point, to not let another team get in his ear. I know people are going to make jokes about, like, there's tampering anyway, but it's a little bit different when you can actually sit down and have a conversation with another team. It's totally different. And and this is part of the point I wanted to make in the, in the piece too, right? Which is as much as you want to talk about and talk about accurately that the team has this summer of control left, right? Where, where he's a restricted free agent. I think once you get into discussing things like qualifying offers and, you know, club elect versus player elect arbitration and, weighing offer sheet risk like you don't want to be there with a franchise cornerstone caliber player right like you just don't you don't want to be in the system with with a guy whose you know relationship right the personal services he provides the organization are effectively priceless like you just you, you want to get it done more quickly than that now you still have what five months four months uh or sorry yeah at least five months before we get to that point, like, I don't think we're really in the point of, you know, quote unquote panic mode or, or, or really making this sort of um, the, the daily type conversation that we have until probably June, mid June, depending on exactly when this Canucks season ends. Right. So, you know, I, I think you've got time, like urgency is probably too strong at this point, like the clock's ticking, but I don't think you have urgency until June, until the last month before you get to that point, before you have to start considering, you know, um, uh, protecting the club's interests, using a variety of levers within, within the uh, CBA system. Mm-hmm. Like th- at that point, I think you'll have urgency right now. I think you don't, I think after the season, things will change. But for now, I, I really do think urgency is too strong. Um, and, and yeah, the Chuck template's a fascinating one too, because that's, you know, the, the first time, um, and I guess you could say Pierre-Luc Dubois did it again the next year, right? So we've, we've kind of got these two versions of it in the summer of 2022 and the summer of 2023, where a player really exercised his pre-agency rights, right? Like he used the fact that he... Uh, didn't want to discuss an extension after the season to drive the bus, get himself a big deal, and choose his destination effectively, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have that template too, which is outside the CBA system and something I'm sure, by the way, the team, the teams in the league uh, are monitoring with some some level of concern. And that's for sure the 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 risk here. Um, you know, I don't I don't know, like beyond the fact that. We don't know exactly what's going on between Pedersen's ears. He's not going to elaborate on it publicly. He's made that pretty apparent. 
um, you know, it's it's hard to know exactly how likely that is or, you know, at, at this point, I don't think we have any evidence that we should be worried about it going in that direction. It's certainly not like West- the Jets with Dubois where we had no, a good we knew, but We knew that two years yeah. before you could right. go, yeah. And, and, and then the Kachuk one's interesting too because Kachuk had, you know, I, I don't know if this came up in your research, but like Kachuk had a comment in – uh, locker room cleanout day that year, right? Where he's like, I'm open to signing a long-term extension, right? And then a, a couple months later, he wasn't. So yeah. there's there's definitely, you know, a variety of ways that this can play out. I, I wouldn't dwell on the Kachuk comp yet just because we don't have the information for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, I don't think there's a basis for it based off of the fact pattern as it exists. Um, you know, with that said, I, I also think there's not been an indication that would put your mind at ease. So I understand why fans would go there. Is there a pending unrestricted free agent that the Canucks have that you would target to keep above others? So in terms of like Pedersen, Heronic are the ones that come to mind immediately. Right. But I'm talking about UFAs guys like, sorry. So like we were talking about how, Teddy Bluger has really impressed us. And, you know, maybe if there's one guy that you aim to keep, it's it's Bluger, even if it comes at the expense of, a, I don't know, a Sam Lafferty or a Dakota Joshua. Is there one guy that's, 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 that's really important for the Canucks to be able to retain? Oh, man. That's it all depends on price, right? Like, that's it's hard to answer like that, but, like, you know. Yeah, I, and and, you know, it also depends on what other needs you have, right? I mean, the one thing about Bluger is, because I agree with you, I think he's been stupendous, but the fact that you have Suter lined up for next season at $1.6 million, right, to me, anyway, would at least partially reduce the urgency that I'd feel uh, were I the Canucks to spend, you know, like the camp contract plus on Bluger, right? Um so, you know, honestly, I, I'd probably say Zadorov, to be totally honest with you, just based off of the uniqueness of the player. For me, it would be Zadorov or, or Dakota Joshua, mm-hmm. because I think those are harder guys to replace. You yeah. know, you, you have both Zadorov and Myers coming up, right? That's what, 13 foot two worth of defensemen. <laughs> we know how much, uh, we know how much Rick Tockett values size. Um, you know, Zadorov's a guy who can move the puck really well. Uh, you know, I know he had a, a giveaway in Columbus, but the fact is, is that he's played really well since arriving in Vancouver. And I think he can do some stuff as a transporter, um, as a defensive player. You know, I, I think the fact that that pair with Myers when, when it was together looked so good is a, is a credit to him too. You know, so, so to me, that would be like a unique profile, a more unique profile than, than what we'd be talking about. With His Blaker ice time's been down Lafferty. a little bit, though. His but, ice time has been down a little bit yeah. um, since Susie got back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And they are committed to Susie, who's, I guess, six foot four. So maybe you could say they have uh, too much invested on the left side for uh, an additional investment in, in Zadorov. And, and we know that Zadorov's going to be uh, expensive and require term. But I, I just think Zadorov's a unique piece. Uh, a more unique piece than than a Bluger, and then Dakota Joshua would be the other one because where, where else is this team getting size? Uh, where else are you finding a a guy that big who can skate that quickly, who's reliable as a two way player, can kill penalties and scores ten goals and fights sometimes? I mean, that's again, I I'd, I'd sort of 
I'd sort of look at it based on how difficult it's going to be to replace the guy and start there. And, and I just think Zadorov's the type of player, there's like five of them in the league. Uh, Dakota Joshua is the type of player where there's like seven or eight of them in the league. And those are the guys that I'd prioritize keeping ahead of Bluger, who, who again, I've got a lot of time for, really like the player, think he's performed exceptionally well, but defensively reliable bottom six centerman, you know, I don't want to say it grows on trees, but it's, it's something you can find. Do you think Rick Tockett is sold on keeping the lotto line together for as long as he possibly can? I'm, you know, he didn't sound like it at times early on in that latest road trip, but, uh, you know, he, he seemed to be more converted as the trip rolled along. And, and I'm sure the team's results, you know, have to give him some, some um, confidence that they can stay together and that the team can stay afloat, right? Like the, the, Everything about this configuration has worked. The team's playing their best hockey of the year. It's not close, right? Like you're suddenly watching this team play and seeing them control play at a level that I've been, you know, left wanting on, frankly, yeah. for much of this season. That's done. Like that's done. They, they were, you know, 56, 57% control of whatever you prefer. Shot attempts, shots, expected goals on this last road trip. Um you know, that, that that score adjusted, right? Like, that's elite stuff. That's like, okay, well, that's a uh, – if you do that consistently, and, and I need to see them do it for longer than seven games, but if you do that consistently, you're, you're 105 point team in terms of your true talent level. Like, that's that's getting into contender territory, right? Um, that, when you put those three forwards together, you know, what, what you do is you take Pedersen, who's – primary forward line mates this year have been Kuzmenko, McCabe, and Lafferty, right? And you're giving it, you're giving his like quality of teammate an absolute shot of steroids, right? When you play him with Quinn Hughes and uh, Philip Ronick and, and play that group as a five-man unit, you know, you can overwhelm your opponents at the top end of the lineup. It also causes you like, before they went on this road trip, Pedersen and Hughes had spent about 70 minutes fewer together at five on five than Hughes and Miller. And in the minutes that the Canucks had played Pedersen Hughes in the state stats, a couple games out of date. So some of this includes the change, like the Canucks outscore their opponents three to one. Um, so this gets you that look uh, for, for more, um, more time. And that's been, you know, uh, a money hand for the Canucks to play, like, that's been the nut cards year over year um, and something the team hasn't done a ton of to this point in the season. Uh, you know, those two factors, I think, have put nitrous in the Canucks engine. I, I think it's allowed this, you know, I, I think you're getting the best out of Patterson, and I, I tend to think what's best for Patterson is, is best for this team. And then you sort of go down the lineup, and it's like, okay, that, that Garland-Bluger-Joshua line, um, frankly, controls play so well. Yeah, that can really be a second line. Your answer. I wanted to actually. We've only got a few minutes left, and I wanted okay, okay, to reserve. Sorry. I wanted to reserve a few minutes for you to sing the praises of Connor Garland because you've always had this guy's back. And I don't know when I think big picture on this. I don't know if it would have been possible to put the lotto line together if Garland hadn't been driving play on that line with Bluger and Dakota Joshua. He has been one of the most impressive Canucks for me this season, and even though it's taken him a while to start you know, scoring goals and finishing on his chances, he's starting to do that now, and I think he's been absolutely terrific for them. 
Yeah, he's really good. I, I like he's just really good. I think he's a. I mean, I, I you know I still probably have an opinion of him that would make you double take, right? Like I think he's a top line caliber forward. The way he's been playing, like he is just like if uh, honestly, if you're like if you if you're a little kid watching the game, learning how to play, you'd be like, watch Connor Garland because the guy never stops working, he never stops moving his feet. He is just yep. constantly like he if he if he loses the puck, he's working as as soon as he loses it to get it back, and quite often, you know what, he gets it back. He gets it back, yeah, and and I mean. You know, they're they're like I made a joke on the show yesterday because uh, Chris Faber was one of the few media who'd braved the snow to go to Canucks practice, and he tweeted out that you know the the Miller Pedersen Besser line was having this intense battle with the Garland line, right? And and my joke was, yeah, it's the battle to see who's the Canucks' real first line, <laughs> right? And and, um, and but truly, that's the level that that line has been at, and I, you know, I don't think it's. I don't think it's hard to know who's the guy driving those results, uh, at least primarily right now that, that takes nothing away from Joshua or Bluger who have been huge parts of that line. But, you know, I, I just think like, I honestly think we're in a situation where Garland's so overqualified to play on a, on a third line role that we actually just don't often see a, a guy with that much impact who makes that much two way impact, who creates that much for his line mates play that far down the lineup, uh, this consistently. Um, but when you do get it, I mean, it is a pretty amazing thing. He's a, he's a huge part of this team and his success has been a key driver. And now, as you know, right. Has been key in allowing Vancouver's depth to hold, mm-hmm. which gives talk the flexibility to keep, you know, that Miller, Besser, Patterson line together and really um, sort of cook teams at the top without giving too much back uh, on the second, third, and fourth line. I think it's time for an I told you so article about Connor Garland, Trancer. Mm-hmm. I'd read well, it. Well, no, I'm... I'm, I'm Yo, no, you never do that. I'm too busy. No, I'm too busy eating humble pie on uh, on my overall team takes to to victory lap on my player ones. That's true. I feel good, though. Yeah. Victory lap is always fun. <laughs> Even if it's undeserved, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. a victory lap feels real while, nice. while While you're eating crow. Yeah. You know, like yeah. While while, while I'm eating crow, I'll also be like, but what about Besser, Garland, and Kuzma? <laughs> <laughs> uh, enjoy the game tonight, bud. We'll do this again next week. See you, buddy. <laughs> Cheers, dudes. Bye. See you. Uh, Thomas Trance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Let's go right to break because we got a lot to do in the final segment of the show. We got to do our what we learns. We got to read some humanoid what we learns. We need to give away the prize pack to the big football game at the Clayton Public House on Sunday, February 11th. I'll remind you, if you want to win that prize pack, which includes a reservation for you and five friends and a $100 gift card to the Clayton Public House, 650-650 is the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Hashtag it WWL. Tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Make it good and put a football emoji into your text. You could win 100 bucks to the Clayton Public House for the big football game. Uh, that's all coming up in the final half hour of the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. 
on the show. 8.31 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in Hour 3 of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Three-putt Shane sends a What We Learned in. He says, What We Learned, it's a snow day, so I got to watch the show today instead of listening to it on the radio. I learned that Halford appears to be doing facial exercises during the show. Or is that just grimacing while listening to Drant? Um, <clears throat> I swallowed my coffee and it went down the wrong way and I was trying to suppress coughs. I hate mm. that. Sometimes I forget that we're on camera. Yeah. And by sometimes, I mean often. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing these very weird things like trying to suppress a cough by keeping my mouth, you know how hard that is to do? Coughing with your mouth closed? Were you a fidgety kid? Because um, you're kind of a fidgety adult. I, yeah, I guess I am kind of fidgety. Mm. I never really think about it. Like, I don't need one of those fidget spinners or whatever. You should get one. That'd be amazing. Just do it on the air. Just yeah, just while you're doing a full interview. <laughs> I always say the best television is go. of people who don't realize or remember that they're on camera. Mm. That makes for the best television. It does, right? doesn't it? <laughs> Three-putt Shane is enjoying himself. It's do you know opened what's been up a, a line of questioning that we can answer. Do you know what's a great source of content uh, on Instagram or wherever you get your social media uh-huh. is the door cameras? Oh, the the, the rings, right? Yeah. The ring? Yeah. Just amazing things happen outside doors. I like sure. the one that people would be getting for Christmas, and it was this camera that people would put in uh, bird bird feeders, and the camera would sh- turn on anytime a bird went into, and it was, so there's this close-up of all these different birds, like, eating the seed. Right. And it was just hysterical, like, seeing a close-up picture of a bird every five seconds. What were they doing? One of these ultimate great. gifts. What was, what, was, what were they doing that was making you laugh so hard, buddy? Just seeing a close-up photo of a bird. It's Aww, funny. Look, it's a bird. <laughs> yeah, look, a little bird. It's right up close to you. They look so ridiculous. Easily entertained. Yeah. They oh, look it's a ridiculous. great gift. Aren't those the, the videos they make for cats to watch? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and Andy. I and watched them for hours. I have, a very, I have a very specific thing in mind. A-Dog's like pawing at the screen. Yeah. Oh, bird, bird. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's fire. Or no, we're not firing up the Dime Matrix. We had to do our What We Learns. What am I doing? We'll do the Humanoid What We Learns, and we'll give away the football prize pack in a second. Uh, I'm going to throw Laddie on the spot. I'm going to make you start, Laddie. You're up first. You have a sports one, not a hockey one. So no junior hockey, no goalies. But it is about sports. Go. Yes, it's a basketball. So this is for basketball, Phil, I'll say. Uh, What we learned, uh, DeAndre Ayton of the uh, Trailblazers, Portland Trailblazers, missed his game yesterday due to icy roads in his neighborhood. So what? made it there he could not leave his neighborhood and if you're wondering yes the team did send out a crew to try and retrieve him but they were quote unsuccessful <laughs> so, so i don't know how bad things were in deandre ayton's neighborhood so, i have never heard this happen before to in his defense, <laughs> now some people think it's just like he looked outside he's like it's too icy and then he went back inside he tried yeah, he's that like been, i'm that super tall if i go down this is gonna hurt <laughs> they are the outside the window. nope <laughs> to take the chance. I'm making it in tonight, coach. We're like 5-36 and 36 this year. I don't need to go outside. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering, he makes about $400,000 per game. So he tried for hours to navigate the Icy Roads. And by the way, it's your guys' job to come up with the song Icy Roads. Okay? Take Can me home. Yeah, Take Me Home, Icy Roads. 
We can't. It's licensed. I'm Icy stuck. Roads, take me to the arena, please. <laughs> yeah. I've got a game that starts in half an hour. I've got Icy skates, Roads kept me home from the game where I belong. Go. I'm late Work as hell that. now, slip and sliding <laughs> down the road. Into a that pole. must have been a frustrating <laughs> drive for him. Yeah, yeah he yeah. gave up. <laughs> Come on. So, so much Come on. He didn't go to work. Like, lots of kids aren't going to school. DeAndre Aiden didn't go to work. I feel like but. DeAndre Aiden would probably want to go to work, though. <laughs> Yeah, and then so you did mention that the Trailblazers they they sent a team over to try and help them out. A whole crew, yeah, a chopper. Uh, they sent a chopper. I think they sent. They a lost road some good crew. men on the expedition. <laughs> hey, if you know a better way to get one. ice, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> okay, move out that one. Well, this is for all of you, mostly basketball fillers. We don't do enough basketball on this show. Back to back basketball NBA. What we learns because I learned that yesterday the continued teardown of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, continued with the trade of Pascal Siakam on his way to the Indiana Pacers in exchange for a couple of roster players. Bruce Brown is pretty good. He won a ring with uh, the Nuggets last year, so he, he'll probably stick around. They didn't get a top young guy, though. No, they? they didn't. They got two first-round picks, which are going to be later in the first round. No young boys? No young boys. Um, the general- Not a top young boy, at least. <laughs> Need a top young boy. <laughs> well, it was a good show we had once. <laughs> As opposed to a... Don't do nope. it. <laughs> nope. You know, we, we managed to avoid saying it. We're going to continue Does this manage. mean McDonald's is going to stop serving the Siakam McFlurry? There's a Pascal Siakam McFlurry. You want to call it the Spicy P McFlurry? Yeah, there's a... There's What's Mc, in it? A Why did I order this? It did not sell very No, there well. is. There's a Siakam McFlurry. I had no idea. Yeah. I know. It's great that you know that element of the That's story. That's all I know. Though. It's very on brand. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who Siakam is, but he's got his own McFlurry. Anyway. So who's left for... Championship team. Boucher, is that it? Just Chris Boucher, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, um, Carry on the culture, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you played no minutes that year, but mm-hmm. please use those experiences. So, so, Halford, what's the plan for the for the Raptors going forward? Is, are they Scotty Barnes' team Scotty Barnes is, now? I mean, I hate... See, we can't do this with the Raptors where we always uh, re- refer to the championship team like we do with the Canucks in 2011. Because each team has its own different makeup and everything. Sure. But if you look at it... This is now Scotty Barnes's team, and they hope that R.J. Barrett becomes the Kyle Lowry to Scotty being the, the, that seems the alpha dog. Overly right? hopeful. Well, that's what I mean. That's what a lot of people are saying. If you want to fit the roles, because mm-hmm. there is look, no matter what the year and what the team and what the market, there is a hierarchy of the NBA guys, right? And it's generally speaking, it's like you have two star players. And then a third guy who's pretty good, and he's a sidekick, and whatever, right? There's different models and different makes, but the general idea is get a big two and then add a quality three, right? So I guess what they're thinking in uh, Toronto right now is we're going to back Scotty Barnes as being the focal point of this team, right? The two perimeter guys that we're going to take touches and looks away from, we're going to be OG Anunoby and Pascal Siakam. Well, guess what? <laughs> right. That's not a problem anymore, right? This is Scotty's team now. Does he have it in him to be an alpha dog, elite NBA guy? I mean, they seem to think so. His head coach seems to think so. He thinks he could be the face of the NBA for crying out loud. But mm-hmm. um, what this does this season moving on is allow them to look at quickly and see how – Emmanuel quickly, the player, not look at things quickly and see where his ceiling is. That allows them to have some flexibility going into summer. Really, they were in a no-win situation with Pascal because I don't think they wanted to give him a supermax. 
he's uh, due a new deal in the summer. If you look at the Raptors, like yeah. they're kind of in no man's what land. What situation does Pascal walk into in in, in Indiana? Oh, he's got a good running mate in Tyrese Halliburton. Like mm-hmm. the, that's a legitimate a lot star of in the league. They give up a lot of points. Right. They are bad on defense. Mm-hmm. So the idea is Pascal comes in and takes him from being bad to like sub mediocre, and that's a win for the Pacers. <laughs> sure. So okay. and it puts him in the it puts him in contention to challenge with the Milwaukee's and the Boston's and everyone else. By the way, the, the Raptors traded. Away, OG Ananobi, and then yesterday trade away Pascal. They go into that game against Miami with a very depleted lineup. And they pump them. And they beat the crap out of Miami last night. So uh, good job to the Raptors, I suppose. Moo cow that. A Dog, you're up with a what we learned. Yeah, uh, props to Laddie for pointing this out to me. Made me laugh. Uh, If you ever wanted to be a lighthouse keeper, well, this is going to excite you. Uh, Currently, the Canadian Coast Guard is looking for assistant lighthouse keepers in British Columbia. They've just extended the deadline to apply. So this this caught me by salary. What is it? Uh, it, Where do I have to go? You have to inquire. You have to inquire. Um, Yeah, it doesn't list that. I will say this. Has anyone seen... I lived 20 years by myself in an apartment in Kitsilano. I'm qualified. Yeah, they they do warn you. You're isolated. You're out on the island, 20 (laughs) miles out in the Atlantic Ocean with another stranger. You got to your job and adjust your coworkers. Oh, Which made me immediately think, what if Hal from Bruff were lighthouse keepers? Well, you're with with someone else. Yeah, you're not by yourself. It's not like trading off like... Yeah, you got to be not, someone. Yeah, you can't be by yourself. That guy'd be dead. You need a buddy. Sure. Well, have you seen? There's that movie, in The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. Yeah, with it's a Willem great movie. Dafoe and Robert it. Pattinson, and it's basically like a character study in their descent into madness and yeah, wonderful murder. Film. Yeah, mm-hmm. is it really dark? I've only it's I, filmed I, in black and white. Yeah, yeah it was filmed in black and white. But maybe the maybe the guy. It's got you, a Lovecraftian angle to it. I won't spoil it. Maybe the fine. lighthouse keeper uh, will be a, like a totally normal guy and get along with him fine. Yeah, I bet. I bet there's a lot of normal dudes lined up. Nary a warning like to be seen. Tis clear sailing ahead for our precious cargo. Uh, would that be the hot pants, sir? Aye, the hot pants. <laughs> Such an underrated pull. Okay, move out the hot pants. Who wants short shorts? We want short shorts. Uh, fire up the dot matrix. Being a lighthouse keeper would be really fun. I don't think it would be fun. I, I think so. I think you have to as have... As long as you have lots certain- of video games and cereal, I'd be good. I, again, I don't think it's not a sleepover party. Like, <laughs> I think there's work involved. You probably press like light one. On. I think like, yeah, that's an, like a button. You press one button. Is I think there's it, an, it, this is your job for the day. Get up. I think is the a, light on? Yes, it is. Okay, like I'm done. Like, that is my job no, for the day. I feel like there's a lot more work involved. I don't think so. I think you've given this very almost I think no you have thought. To, you have to clean the light. Job. I believe the switch. I believe you have to do all the maintenance and upkeep on the lighthouse. You have to make no, sure. They got, they got robots. For that. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's like a guy that comes in and vacuums it for you. Like I'm pretty sure you have to do everything. <laughs> lighthouse, lighthouse janitor. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Vacuuming is a big part of being a lighthouse keeper. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, let's give away. Did we fire the dot matrix? Did we fire it up? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation of two hundred dollars off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh my god, we're having a fire plan. The winner of Thursday, so the penultimate giveaway for the big football game prize pack. It includes a table for you and five friends. That's six total. Uh, a $100 gift card and the chance to hobnob with Sportsnet 650 personalities for the big football game at the Clayton Public House on Sunday, February 11th. The winner is... It is Gary the Ornithologist. Um, my, I pronounced that right, I hope. Yeah, you did. Uh, my bird watching club would like tickets to view the superb owl. Probably will see some ravens, too. 
uh, Gary from Piper Spit. That's very clever. It is, so it is clever. There's a couple ways to get around it. One is saying superb owl. Mm-hmm. The other one is saying sup herbal. There's two ways. Right. Sup herbal. Sup. Who's herbal? Herbal. <laughs> uh, it's tough. And then the one too with the bird watching stuff with the ravens. Couldn't you just call it the supper bowl? Like supper? Are we yeah. adding a letter? Yeah. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could do anything as long as you don't say the word, right? So that's the key. Part not, not, not at all related to this big game thing, but um, what are the chances that it is a Ravens 49ers Rem- Super Bowl? Yeah, the like, rematch. No, no, no. But like, give give your odds. Like, is it one in four? One, one, I ha- okay. I, I think it's longer than that, just because. Um, everyone wants to be like, these are the two best teams in each conference and they're on a collision yeah. course, but the, the chances are it won't be. Yeah. Like, it, upsets happen all the time mm-hmm. in the national football league teams, lay duds and eggs all the time. Did you see the Eagles on Monday night? Did you see the Browns to open the playoffs? Like teams, things go bad. God, right? I hope it's the Buccaneers in there. You really want the Buccaneers? No, I want you to be embarrassed. I refuse. You need to have shame and self-awareness, which I have neither. Just All right, plow on. Anyway, congratulations to what was it, Gary? Gary, the ornithologist. Yeah, nice. Okay, good. All right, uh, let's do some uh, other humanoids here. Woodrow, the eligible bachelor, what we learned today is the 10 year anniversary of the torts storming into the flames oh. locker room. Man, what? I was really? that? That was a long time ago. 10 years? That was, yeah, because he came in 2013, 14. Oh, dang. Yeah. That actually, you know what? Now that we've had a decade to look back on it, like, I'm, I'm really glad that happened. I mean, it's the best part of the season. Yeah, it was. It was the high. I, I remember. I thought it was earlier in the season. It was no. It was. I went. To, I was at a wedding that night. Kellen Lane was on the team. It was later in the season. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kellen Lane's like, I had to do what? He was on the ice for that. Right. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I was at a wedding, and we were at the Heritage Hall on Main. Mm-hmm. And I remember we ducked out right as soon as the ceremony. Like they had even have the rings on the fingers. We're like, let's go watch a Canucks game next door at the Five Points. So we went next door, and. Uh, we kind of were stopped paying it because it was at the first intermission. Right? Yeah, yeah. And we kind of stopped paying attention because, you know, after the fights and everything, it had got, gone down. And then the cameras cut back. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking and I'm like, is that Torts? Yeah. Is he in the, is he trying to fight Bob Hartley? And it was, all, it was so he, surreal. He looks so little too. Yeah, it was so <laughs> surreal. Like, Shane O'Brien's laughing. <laughs> but it was so surreal because that kind of thing hadn't happened in mm-hmm. 20 or 30 years in the NHL. Like no one did the crazy like Wild Wild West stuff before. And I remember thinking, this could be a moment. Like this might be something that sticks with them for a good while. God, the things that happened that season. Yeah, it one was, year. If if Hartley and Torts threw hands, like I don't even know who's going to win. I think Torts. Torts is pretty fire. His eyes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get, he wouldn't play fair. Would he? Guy bit me. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Uh, what else we got here? Um, Jackson and Langley, what we learned. We learned that Atlantic Division scoreboard watching is fun. God, I hope the Leafs miss the playoffs. Yeah. Sh- show me chaos. So um, Detroit won in overtime yesterday. Detroit's on a heater, by the way, right now. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10. So they jumped over Toronto mm-hmm. to go to third in the Atlantic, and that pushed Toronto down to the first wild card. And I, is, it, is it too late for coach firings? Like, is Keith, no, 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 on, no, no, is no, Keith no. on the hot seat? You have uh, an unlimited amount of time now. I know they gave him an extension. Like, they gave him, so he's got this year, and then they gave him two more years. I don't know what the salary is, but, you know, it's the Leafs, right? So they're like, whatever. (laughs) You know what I I compare the Leafs' current situation to? Like, them making the playoffs is like, you know those 
uh, European teams that are in danger of going getting relegated, Correct. and they make a desperation hire just to stay up. Yeah. The Leafs would make a desperation hire just to stay in the playoffs. Trey Living's going to do something, right? He's going to make a trade. They got to make a trade. They got to do something. Yeah, I know. Everyone says like yeah, Vancouver's like I, I, definitely going to do something because it's a Jim Rutherford led team, and um, and you know they're always a great. And even said yesterday, or I know, so not yesterday, but in an interview with IMAC, like he feels like he owes it to the team to do to be aggressive at the trade deadline. But for me, like the one, the one guy that I absolutely expect to make a move is Brad Trilliver. Yeah, I and I wonder if it'll be goaltending because I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but it took him a really long time to figure out the goaltending in Calgary. You remember all the things that he tried and didn't yeah. work out. Maybe he's going to just get murky. And or I think Brian Elliott got some run there for a while. Cam Talbot got some run there. They tried everything. So here, like, they take Vancouver's so here are the standings in the in the Atlantic Division. The Bruins are atop with 61 points. Then it's the Panthers, 58 points. The Red Wings are third with 51, least 50. And then Tampa Bay is fifth at 49. And then you got the Habs with 45, who are... I'm actually surprised they've got that many points, considering their goal differential is minus 27. So you're in a situation here where... If you think it's interesting in the Atlantic, you should check out the Metro because there are seven teams with 47 points or more. It's looking more and more like the Devils might miss the playoffs unless they get healthy. I don't know what the status of all their injured players are, but they are losing some games that with a full lineup, I think they'd win. Um, so you got all these teams like the Capitals are still somehow hanging around. Is Pittsburgh going to make it? Are the Islanders going to make yeah. it? There are going to be, regardless, in the East, there are going to be teams, at least three or four teams that miss that you're like, wow. I got a feeling that that wow team is going to be New Jersey. I really, I don't think that they, I don't think with yeah. their goaltending that they could survive the injuries that they have on defense. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there's just it's too much. Like if they had, and their it's full almost a warning. Blue liners, they'd be okay. And it's almost a warning for the Canucks for next year. You know, we talked a lot on the show about we don't want the Canucks to be a one and done team. So, um, you know, they they need to be able to, to fill out the roster for next season because they're probably going to lose some free agents. Well, you know, New Jersey had this vast improvement last season where they jumped from they jumped like fifty points in the standings and they were they were a great story and they were fun to watch and they were scoring brilliant goals and then they come into this season and they run into injury problems right which i don't know what their injury status was last year i can't remember how healthy were they were yeah. I, I imagine they were probably pretty healthy unless i'm missing something because they had a terrific season but like not you know, once you make the playoffs, there's no guarantees. Like, you're not guaranteed to just keep going on runs. Um, okay, we got a couple texts in about Bill Belichick interviewing in Atlanta for a second time. And then someone made the joke that it was uh, because he's 71 years old and he's tired of waiting and being cold standing in outside. Uh, quick, that reminded me, we needed to do a quick NFL coaching update. We mentioned it off the top. We didn't really get into it with Nick Shook, unfortunately. But Mike McCarthy back in Dallas, which is certainly a choice. I'm not sure that it's the right one. I guess maybe some stability so they can again lose in the first round. Sounds like Nick Sirianni is going to be back in Philadelphia. He still has to meet with the executive and the ownership, but it sounds like that meeting is going to be more about who they're going to hire to replace the coordinators as opposed to, hey, Nick, we're replacing you. Um, the I'm still waiting on uh, the Seattle Seahawks to hire Mike Vrabel. I just wish that they would do this. 
I feel like it's. I, I know. If they, I wonder if there's other guys that they want to interview. Like they, they, there like, are, like Ben Johnson, not the sprinter, uh, the offensive them, coordinator though, for the Detroit Lions, yes. who are still alive. So it's it's hard. But but then you get in this situation of like, uh oh, the other team hired the guy that we might have wanted to take. I don't want them to wait. I know Ben Johnson is the hot offensive coordinator of the moment. You really want Vrabel? I, he's there. Yeah. He can stop the run. I like the fact that if the players aren't doing it, he'll be like, oh, screw it. I'll Fine, just go I'll do, do it. it. Yeah, yeah, I played linebacker. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> He's big. He's a star. He, and he, I think he got a lot out of that Tennessee team, which I watched a few times. I'm like, defensively, they had some guys, but offensively, they weren't that great, and they still yeah. managed to make some good playoff runs. I like Mike Vrabel. I hope that they go that route. Um, I think that's it on the coaching front, actually. Unsigned, what we learned. Sometimes this show gets me to Google the weirdest questions. For example... What are the duties of a lighthouse keeper? A wiki. That's their, they're sometimes called wikis because they were responsible for dealing with the wicks on all the candles. Like Wikipedia? No, W I C K I E. You say wiki to anyone under 30, they're not going to think of a candle. That's why I'm trying to let the people know. Okay. They've now learned that a wiki is a, 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 a slang for a lighthouse keeper. Gotcha. Uh, Mike from Maple Ridge, what we learned, Archie Baines has to be getting close to being the next call-up for the big club. He's been lights out in his year-and-a-half pro. Yeah, unfortunately for the guys on the Abbotsford Canucks, the Canucks have been remarkably healthy. They haven't point. needed to call down to the farm. They've always had some... Um, <laughs> Mark Friedman is going down for a conditioning stint, or he's been sent down for a conditioning stint, so I don't know what the plan for him is. I guess he'd need waivers if they yeah. were to send him down full time. I mean, we to... were talking to Brandon Astle. By the way, go download the Hour 2 podcast. Really good interview with him. We got mm-hmm. updates on all these guys in Abbotsford. I, I, was, wanna... I was doing the mental exercise of like, okay, Bain, next year, like Baines comes up and he would replace like A, B, or C. Right. Maybe, like you said, Max Sasson, like in a dream world, he gets to the point where he could be a 4C because that's kind of what you have to start looking at. In some ways, I don't think you should necessarily do it that way. Like every team develops by itself. You don't just play. And and I was guilty of it. I was like, I was kind of like, well, could Pod Colson replace Dakota Joshua if Joshua moves on because the Canucks can't afford him? And I'm like, I shouldn't think of it like that because it's not just plug and play. It's just remove, but remove the names from it. The bottom line is that it, the way that the NHL works is you just you don't really commit long term to a bottom six, you commit long term to a top six, and you have an organization that has good enough pro scouting that you can find plug and play players. And Alvin has actually used that phrase before, plug and play. Now that you know your system and you know what you need, you're able to. Um, it's an easier time to go and identify guys because you know what you need. But Gora organizations also have this constant supply of of talent down on the farm that not necessarily first round, second round picks. They can be college free agents. They can be whatever. They can just be properly developed players that are developed in the system of the big club. And they don't cost a lot of money. That's a key part to all of this. And they come up hungry. They do. It's a great, it's a great system. Okay. We got to, if it works, if it works, if it doesn't, then you're screwed. Uh, We got to go for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you to everyone that downloaded the podcast. Congrats to our contest winner. And a reminder, please drive safe because it's rough out there yet again. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.